The Charlotte Ledger Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Hey, it's Tony Macia with the Charlotte Ledger, and you're listening to the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. You can find out more about the Charlotte Ledger by going to thecharlotteledger.com. Today's podcast is part of a special series we're doing in which we interview winners of the Charlotte Ledger's 40 Over 40 Awards. The recipients are people ages 40 and up who are making a big difference in the Charlotte area, people who saw a need and took action. You can find out more at ledger40over40.com. The host of today's podcast is Steve Dunn, and his day job, he's a mediator who offers dispute resolution services through the Charlotte office of Miles Mediation and Arbitration. Enjoy. Hello, this is Steve Dunn of the Charlotte Ledger Podcast. I'm joined today by Linda Bouchard, founder and chief inspiration officer of Booking Authors, Inc., a boutique public relations firm dedicated to Southern authors. Welcome, Linda. Well, thank you, Steve. It's exciting to be part of this elite over 40 group. I'm excited that you're excited, and I'm excited about the name of your company, Booking Authors, Inc., where Inc. is... With a K. With a K, that's right. That's not, so uh, tell me about the name. Oh, the first thing I need to know is I assume you have a corporate entity, and I have to know if it is Booking Authors, Inc., Inc. No, it is not. Is it Booking it is Authors, not. Inc., LLC? <laughs> it is indeed. Okay. It's sort of a double entendre yeah. there. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. How did you uh, decide upon the name of your business? Well, when I was thinking about forming my business, Steve, I, you know, I went through a lot of names and bounced it off a lot of people to get feedback. And I thought, okay, I wanted to tell, I want my company to say what it actually does. And I was uh, working with authors, booking them gigs, and of course, they're writers. So I incorporated all of that into the name of my company. Well, that makes perfect sense, and it gives you a really distinctive look and feel to your website. Uh, what do you do? Well, I am a literary publicist. I'm now an author, and I do call myself an inspiration officer because writing a book is such a, a unique thing to do, and we'll get more into that. But basically, I... I help authors. It's a very collaborative effort, first of all, but I help authors get their books out into the world so people like you, Steve, can read them and just, you know, get enjoyment from them. But a book is such an interesting entity because it's a tangible object with intangible ideas inside of it. So my goal is to create that excitement around the book before it's even out. Well, I definitely want to ask you all about what you do day to day, but it's interesting how you got into it. You had another career before you got into your literary work. Tell me about that. Well, I was a flight attendant for one of the most beloved airlines in the South, Piedmont Airlines. And this all happened when I first graduated from Boston University, and I had a a job at the CBS affiliate in Boston, and my office look, overlooked Logan Airport in somebody with wanderlust, that is bliss. And so I got a wild hair that I wanted to travel, which I haven't, hadn't done a lot of. And so I started applying to airlines. And this was the days of deregulation. 
the halcyon days of travel when it was fun and glamorous and there was actually civility on the airlines. And so Piedmont Airlines, this wonderful Southern company, hired me. And so I thought, okay, I'll get it out of my system and just fly for a year. But 20, low 20 years later, I resigned after 9-11. Um, it was like a five alarm wake-up call for me. Steve, I had I lost colleagues in those flights that went into the Twin Towers. So it caused me to step back and ask myself, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And so I thought about where my strengths lie and what I wanted to do and started forming my business. Well, you identified a void, a need in the business, and it's related to the business of publishing and the selling of books. And you identified a particular competency that you have that was sorely needed by the folks in New York City, where the epicenter of publishing really is, right? And that relates to the geographic South. Absolutely. Absolutely. On my flights, I met hundreds of authors who were going to the either the East Coast or the West Coast, the big media markets where the publishers were sending them. And I would talk to them and, you know, I, they asked me where I was from and so forth. And I told them I was from the South. And they said, well, you know, we never go to the South on our book tours. And that was my light bulb moment when I thought, here's a void that I can fill. Here's where I can put my degree to work. And, and that's where I saw my next career move. And so that idea started formulating. And yes, it was a very big void. So I started cold calling. This was the days before computers back in the 90s, the early 90s, cold calling the publishing companies saying, hey, what do you think about this idea? I can help you plan media tours, get the book signing events, speaking events here in the Southern media market. And they loved my crazy idea. And so it just started growing exponentially through the years. It was very organic. And so that transition, you know, was kind of a seamless one because it happened when I was still flying. And so, you know, I encourage people to really step out of their comfort zones and don't be afraid to change because it's it is scary but wow the rewards are amazing you have said that successful book marketing is all about collaborative storytelling what do you mean by that yes marketing is storytelling it's not enough to be great being wildly wildly different determines your success because your uniqueness obliterates all other narratives. So telling your, everybody has a unique story to tell. Everyone has a, a wonderful backstory, their origin story. And this is what I encourage when I work with authors. I encourage them to bring their backstory forward because oftentimes it's even more interesting than the book they've written. And so that engages a reader to see whether they're an overcomer and that they have the same issues and problems that we all do. So yes, marketing includes 
all of that. It is, it is all about storytelling. What is it particularly that you bring, you, you build yourself as of the South and for the South and you identified this gap in knowledge that the folks in New York had about the South, right? So, so how do you do it? Like what day to day, does it, does that mean you're, you're, you're telling them where they need to go in each city to sort of reach the audience that they're trying to reach. Is that what it's about? Is it the actual logistics of the events themselves? Like what, what do you do? Wow. It's no two days are alike, Steve. And it's a, an amazing ride every single day. I mean, I tap dance to work. I love what I do because it's so challenging, but also very creative. And so on a day-to-day basis, I only take a handful of clients every quarter because it's very intense. I, I work with an author very closely and there's so many, every book is unique. So every campaign is unique. Every marketing campaign is unique. It's not cookie cutter by any means when you work with me. So on a day-to-day basis, I do consultations with clients. I help them plan their media tours throughout the South. I help them with the basic things like press releases and their website content and how to make a great website for their author platform and all sorts of outreach because it's about others. Yes, you've written a book, but it's about what you can teach others offer them information, offer, it's all about education. And so I teach them that, yes, it's, you've got a book, but now you have to think about others. It's not always about the monetary rewards in it. So it's not always about the book sales. A lot of business authors use it as their calling card for speaking events and even nonfiction authors, I mean, excuse me, even fiction authors use their book for greater things. So it's, it's, a, it's like a calling card to bigger opportunities for an author. It's just not about book sales. There's this whole world of the business that is separate from the writing and from the book itself. And I wonder first if you ever run into authors that have sort of this delusional view that all they got to do is write a big, a good book, right? And that the world is going to beat down the door and come find them. Cause it's really seems like there's a, like there's a grind to it. There's a lot of hustle and grind that is an absolutely necessary component of the thing. And I, I wonder just what it's like when you run into somebody who doesn't get it. That's the majority of authors. Sadly, but no, I mean, they have this dream that, you know, they write a book and bam, they can sit back and, you know, just watch it fly off the shelves. But that will never, ever happen. Even though I've been in the business low these many years, when I published my book, I still had to do all the hard work. So, yes, it takes so much work and it's not sprint. It's a marathon. It's a perpetual promotion and finding places where your book will fit in. It's like, you know, pitch to your niche, as I like to say. Keeping it small, most people want to start broadly, but I encourage them to start locally and regionally. It's rather like dropping a pebble into a pond, Steve. Your level of influence will grow 
out. And it's all about relationships. Face-to-face relationships, uh, first of all, authentic relationships are essential, you know, going out there. And the author has to do a lot of work. I will not do all the work for them. And that's where that collaboration comes in. Well, it's an incredible, just a volume of work. And the different thing, you've already alluded to a website as an author's platform, like an internet platform for an author. And this issue you describe of authors thinking that they, they just got to create the thing and then they can sit back. I don't think it's just authors. I think it's all kinds of creative people have this notion that that very fixated on the work itself. This is true of musicians and other types of creative people, extremely focused on the work itself. And that's natural and to be expected because that's their competency and that's their passion. And that is essential for the work itself being good. But there's this other side, and this is where people like you come in, people who are knowledgeable about the actual business part of it and who understand not only that there is a grind and that it is a marathon and not a sprint, but also who are knowledgeable about the nuts and bolts and who can make the connections, who have the relationships that are necessary to be successful in that way. And you've got all that with this particular focus on the South, both in terms of Southern authors and also in, I think, working on book tours through the South. How did you, you, you're not from here, right? You you grew up in, is it Vermont? I did. I grew up in Vermont, Bucolic State. And then I went to a Boston University for my undergraduate and graduate degree. And as I alluded to earlier, you know, worked there for a, a, a short period of time. But Right. The airline business brought me south, and I just love the south. I love all its eccentricities. And, you know, when I first came here, I couldn't even understand what people were saying because of the accent. Well, are you now, is that a big part of your job now is to be sort of like a translator for the folks who are not from here and say, okay, you're in the south now. When you, when you order tea at a restaurant, it's not going to be hot and it's not going to be in a little mug. They're going to bring you a large tumbler of iced tea and it's going to have sugar in it, right? Is this, is this a big part of what you're doing or is it also related to just sort of knowing where to go in each town and how to plug people into their, to their niche so that they can pitch? <laughs> right. Well, it's always education. And because I, I work solely with Southern authors or Southern-themed books, most of my clients are from the South. But every now and then you'll get a transplant. So yes, I am always in education mode with them. But yes, I I target based on the book and what the book's theme is about, or you know, if it's historical fiction, going you know, plugging them into that historical area in the South. And I like to put authors anywhere but bookstores. I am a big big fan of independent bookstores. However, an author can make lots more money and have a lot more fun doing it outside of a bookstore, like at an airline gift shop or a museum gift shop or after a speaking event selling their books. And I disagree with you, Steve, on saying that marketing is a grind because I think it's so much fun. It's a party every single day. I 
teach my clients to think about marketing as part of the creative process and not separate from it so that they will see it just as a continuation of the storytelling. Well, in my defense, I would say that as I use the term grind, I just mean more like I think what you meant by a marathon, which is just that it's it's not sort of like just something that you do one time. This is something I think a lot of people have a misconception about about marketing. I ran into it in my legal career. You'd, you'd get these lawyers who would think like, oh, well, I will I'll get a profile in this in this magazine and clients are going to come flooding my way. You know, there, there ought to be a, a linear relationship between any kind of effort I make and immediate sort of tangible results. Whereas I, I think it's accurate to say that the name of the game is more consistency over a longer period of time. That's right. That's right. It's like any product. Do you think of your book as a product? You are now a business person. You are in the sales business now. So like it's like any product, Coca-Cola, you know, selling gym memberships, whatever. It is now your job as an author, really, to promote your book, sell your book. And it does take a lot of work. It is just consistency. It's amazing to me how retail the business is in the sense that a lot of times you're literally selling the book to somebody who you're talking to at that moment. And I used to go to a lot of wine events, and I was shocked at how these winemakers from all over the world, from you know, France and Australia and California, would come to an event in Charlotte to try to sell some wine to, to me, <laughs> you know, to, to like personally look me in the eye and sell me this stuff. I couldn't believe how personal the business was. It's just something I didn't understand. And it sounds like books are, are similar in that way. Absolutely. That's a great analogy because I'm sure when they were talking to you about their wine, they had a story behind it. They told you how the grapes were fermented or where it came from and the history behind it. So there was a story behind it. And it's the same, especially with books, because there is so much emotion that goes into creating a book. It is just, an amazing, I think authors should be paid at least as much as a quarterback for the Panthers. <laughs> well, some of them are. <laughs> well, so, eventually. Some of them are, and you've worked with some of those folks, right? I mean, I have. You have, have you always been a reader? I have always been a reader and a writer. Um, well, I've my... always written. That came first before what I'm doing now as a publicist. So I have a great appreciation for what they go through. It's just not theory for me. I know what they went, go through. I know how, you know, what they put into their, they put their soul out there on the page to be judged. And that takes great courage. Well, I imagine as a lifelong reader and a writer, it must be quite a thrill for you to have the opportunity now to work with folks who, I mean, truly household names. And your website, what is your website? Bookingauthorsinc with a K dot com. Bookingauthorsinc with a K dot com. And if you go there, you'll, you can see just some of the amazing folks that you've worked with and had the opportunity to meet. And it sounds like you derive a lot of satisfaction from helping authors be successful. And a lot of these folks, some of these folks, the, you know, the big names, you know, maybe they don't need you, right? They do need me. Ah. Uh, because the sad reality, Steve, is that their publishers 
will work with these big authors for like a couple of months and then they go on to the next big name. And that's where I come in because yes, the promotion continues and they're looking for somebody to help them because they're busy writing their next book. Ah. So yes, all of these big name authors, Mary, Mary Jane Clark, Mary Alice Monroe, David Baldacci, Nicholas Sparks, they all have their own publicists. So it's it really, as long as you want to sell books, it never ends the promotion. Do you work with folks sometimes who are just getting started? Absolutely. I work with emerging and established authors. That must be fun. <laughs> to, to, I mean, it must be it must be fun to to be there for the journey of success with, with somebody who does get it right. Somebody who's who says, "Okay, all right, I've written a great book, and I know I got to hustle, and I'm going to partner up with Linda, and we're going to make this thing happen." That must be an incredibly rewarding experience for you. Well, it is a it is always interesting to me because my main job is to manage expectations. <laughs> That is my number one job. And, you know, it all comes down to that, really. And people, I mean, they do, they have these unrealistic expectations. So I have to keep them tethered to reality. But it is absolutely an honor to and a thrill for me to work with authors at every level of success. Well, you're a writer as well, and you have a book called The Witches Three. This is a children's book that you put together with illustrator Cody Kratzer, and you brought a copy of it along, and I'm so glad that you did. It is a beautiful-looking book. It's it's vibrant colors, and it's written in verse, right? It's And it's, it's sort of a, a Halloween story. It is. The Witches Three Count on Me was actually a manuscript that my late husband left behind. So to honor him, I completed it, and I hired this wonderful illustrator, Cody Kratzer, who just made the book come to life in her illustrations, and it came out a couple of years ago. I self-published it because I wanted to retain creative control over the content and the cover, and it, it was a great creative adventure for me. Well, it's beautiful, and it is available on your website. And everywhere books are sold. And everywhere books are sold. So keep an eye out for The Witches 3. How long have you been in Charlotte now? Oh, let's see. I came here in the late, or the early 90s, rather. The airline brought me south. What, over 20 years? 25? What is that? You don't want to know how long ago the early 90s I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the days, right? I was just a kid. Is this what then became U.S. Airways? Yes. Piedmont Airlines was absorbed by U.S. Airways, which is now American. So yes, I have seen so many changes in Charlotte. It is The airport is a perfect example and reflects the change of the city itself. Because when I first started flying, we were still out at Morris Field <laughs> and there were no jetways. It was out at the old, you know concourse out there. So the changes have just been exponential. But the the airport is such an economic driver for the city, not just the city, but the state, because it brings in so much revenue. It hires tens of thousands of people. 
brings in millions of people every year to Charlotte that bring new business. So the airport, as Charlotte's grown, the airport's grown. And I think that's exciting. Yeah, I like the phrase you use that the airport reflects the growth of Charlotte because they, they, they've they grown together, but there is a, a real sense in which the airport itself drove the growth of Charlotte and continues to do so in a way that a lot of folks appreciate it. I, you know, I don't mean to suggest that you know people don't realize that, but I think it may be underappreciated in a way. And you had a front row seat to all of this as a flight attendant who was there sort of when it, when it was a, a, a sleepier kind of environment and you saw a real explosion of growth. Mm. And, and so I wonder how that how you think about Charlotte itself. And I know you love it because you've been very clear that you love the South and, uh, and here you are. What, what do you love about it and what have you observed about it as, as someone who is here in the early 90s and has seen a lot of changes? Wow, the changes have been so amazing. I mean, not only just the skyline itself, but I think as the city has grown older, the demographics that have grown younger. It's such a young city. I, from my perspective anyway, it's becoming a younger city, which is exciting. And it's nice to see that the focus isn't always on the financial industry, which it was known as solely in the earlier days when I was here in the 90s. It has grown. The arts community is vibrant and growing and that's exciting to see but there are so many changes going on the greenways are fantastic it's becoming a city of sidewalks which i love well here you are as one of the recipients of the charlotte ledger 40 over 40 award you've had you had a, a full career and transitioned into what has now become your life's work something that quite clearly and visibly gives you energy and in which you find fulfillment. And I know that a part of what you like to communicate to others is to be unafraid, to make a change and to never feel as though you're constrained simply because you've been doing something for a long time, that change isn't possible. I wonder if you would expound on that or share other observations about life itself as someone who has experience and like all of us is getting a little bit older each day. I think it was. I'm not sure some artists said it takes a long time to become young, <laughs> but I feel like I'm just getting started. There are so many things I want to do yet, but yes, I, I made a change because there was a life event that happened, 9-11. As I said, it was like a wake-up call for me. But um, I was already thinking about my next chapter. But it's scary and it's exciting. And I felt like I was jumping off a cliff and building my wings on the way down. I was learning as I went. So sometimes you have to start before you're ready. And, you know, my favorite philosopher, Clint Eastwood, has said, a man's got to know his limitations. And I knew my limitations. And so I hired great freelancers to help me fill in the gaps. And so as you're transitioning, you will meet wonderful people. There are so many gifts along the way. 
but there's a great cost to staying where you are. I think young people today often go into their work life just looking at the monetary rewards, but there is a great cost to that. And I think they find out that eventually, you know, something's missing. So if you follow your soul and do something soulful that speaks to you, the money will follow. But it just takes the courage to make that first step. And Sue, a great philosopher who wrote The Art of War, said, victorious warriors win first and then go into battle. So you have to have that winning mindset. It's all about the mindset and your goals. And yes, there will be setbacks. Of course, it's not a straight line. It's very a circuitous route to success in whatever you want to do. But wow, it's worth it. Well, you are the first guest of the Charlotte Ledger podcast to quote both Sun Tzu and Clint Eastwood. And words of wisdom, truly, from both. And I love how you put it. Sometimes you have to start before you're ready. So true. And I can't thank you enough, Linda Bouchard, for being with me today on the Charlotte Ledger podcast. It's been my pleasure, Steve. Thank you. That's it for today. The Charlotte Ledger podcast is produced by Lindsay Banks. You can find out more about The Charlotte Ledger at thecharlotteledger.com. And you can find out more about our 40 Over 40 awards at ledger40over40.com. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. Queen City